I watched both my parents pass, mm -hmm. both of them flatline in the hospital. So like anything negative that you're trying to push towards me, I'm good. You know, you guys come from the sports world and I was shooting for the city girls. And next thing you know, I shot Corday, Ari Lennox, Big mm -hmm. Sean, um, yeah. Anderson Pack. It just makes me want to outshoot you. Yeah. Like I'm humble to like 97%. When you get that 3%. <laughs> the 3% is crazy, ain't it? You put me in a room, I'm going to show out. Every time. Like, I'm going to show out. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'd go LeBron in the fourth. Being able to do that in front of a sweetie, in front of a James Fauntleroy. You talking big shit now. I mean, he nice. He, he in his bag now. <laughs> I don't try to narrate what I do. Like, Let the work speak. And I know too many people on social media that are trying to tell people what they do. Mm -hmm. They're not showing nobody what they're doing. You preaching today, Pastor. <laughs> Five. Four, three, two, one. You ready? Let's rock. All right, episode three, Creatives Unhinged. We're here. I'm excited for two reasons. One, we finally got an episode filmed within a week of the last episode. But two, we got my boy, Nick Davis, in the building. I'm excited. Right, right, right. So, yeah, man, I think it's been a long time coming. We, uh, we met not too long ago. And we just started this whole podcasting thing and just wanted to really get in the mix with other creatives and have genuine conversation um, and really like share and what it is that we're trying to do with the community. So I'm super excited to have you here and get like your perspective. Obviously, we're sports creatives, but you, on the other hand, do a little bit of everything. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited. If you could, you know, just give the world a little bit of who you are and a little bit about well, your journey, man. I'm excited to be here. It's my uh, second podcast ever, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to sit down with the homies and tap in because I know we definitely come from different worlds. Mm -hmm. um, she stated, my name is Nick Davis. I have been shooting for over a decade now. Started off with just some family stuff, tapped into the wedding industry. Um, that kind of took up a good chunk of my career, and then I realized that that's not the only thing I can use my skill set for. Then I started tapping into music. Uh, sports, um, corporate stuff, and it kind of just snowballed into some other stuff. So, yeah, I guess I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a jack of all trades, but I just made sure that I'm not locked into one category mm -hmm. with like my skill set, essentially. Yeah. No, that's dope. I'm like, I think the thing that I love that you do the most is obviously like the portraits and like the wedding photography, but like seeing you kind of dive into the music space too recently has been dope to see you kind of like step out. I know you shot a little bit of like the NFL. You got some NBA games under your belt too. Yeah, that um, that kind of just all fell fell into my lap um, just from being in a room with certain people. And um, I kind of call it like my superpower to be able to freeze time and utilize like my skill set from weddings and put that towards sports. Because now when I see it, I just shoot it. Don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Don't care about what settings I have. I just my body just naturally adjusts things and I just snap it. Yeah. And like one of the biggest things like I wanted to do is just be able to use that in any space, whether it's photo, video, if I see something, just shoot it mm -hmm. and make sure I do stuff that I can't recreate because then it's not genuine for me. Yeah. So like if I can shoot it and, you know, I love when people say, like, when did you shoot that? And sometimes I'd be like, I have no idea, <laughs> but we got this shot out of it yeah. and it worked out. So, yeah. Do you feel like it's hard to adjust from, like, thing to thing? 
like going from weddings, for example, to maybe stuff you do at 1500 Sound Academy to then maybe shooting, you know, like an NFL game and then switching back? Yeah, I mean, everything is is different. You know, you guys come from the sports world and, you know, learning about like the press box and certain rules and like where I can shoot from and things like that. That was all new to me. So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to pull up and just shoot wherever I can. But like weddings have taught me that like not everything is going to go however I thought it was going to go before I start shooting. So being able to pivot in any situation has definitely helped me get a good grasp on everything. But like, I feel like there's never a time to stop learning something. So everything I do, I'm like, okay, this is class number one. And in each shoot, I'm just taking notes as what I could have did different or what, what to expect for the next time, essentially. So that's dope. Um, I noticed recently you just did Coachella for the what? Second time. Uh, yes, for the second time. First time I did it, I was shooting for the City Girls. Um, they needed another shooter. And um, they actually had to dip after their performance, but they were like, hey, Nick, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. And so from that, I was like, bet. So then next thing you know, I shot Corday, Ari Lennox, Big mm-hmm. Sean, um, yeah. Anderson Pack. Um, and I made sure I just kind of just tapped into the music space because I had never shot a festival like that. So I was yeah. like, you gave me access. And one of my biggest things I like to say is that you put me in a room, I'm gonna show out. Every time. So it was like, I was like, I'm only here for a day. Like, I'm gonna show out. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I made sure to learn something quick was make friends with all the security guards, mm-hmm. you know, so that way they're comfortable and they know, hey, that's Nick. He's, you know, doing his thing or whatever. Now you're causing no trouble. And from that, it led me to somebody finding my Instagram page and said, hey, would you be interested in shooting for Coachella? this year and I was like yes like and I literally I'm I'm big on speaking things into into you know something because I was looking for somebody to shoot artist wise thinking I'm gonna just go shoot for another artist Mm -hmm. little did I know God had a different plan and was like yo you're going to shoot Mm in-house for Golden Voice for AEG and that was a new experience for me now shooting in-house because now I'm backstage I'm seeing how the whole production runs as opposed to just being able to walk around with my camera. So yeah. that was uh that was something new to learn too for sure. Was it crazy? Like I expect uh, an environment like that to be hectic. I wouldn't say hectic, but you just, there's so many moving parts that people don't see. Mm-hmm. Like being backstage, you know, being on the golf cart, you know, moving around to all the different places, you see how much goes into a festival. Mm-hmm. And like even while we we're shooting, um, one of the things that you know, when you're shooting artists, they have somebody picking up cards. They're having runners, similar to sports. Yeah. They've got runners coming and picking up cards that we can keep shooting throughout the time. And that was something new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting used to, like, those processes and stuff took took a little while. But by the time I was done with Coachella and then Stagecoach, like, I was already used to, like, that type of yeah. shooting. But it, it is very crazy to see how in-house stuff works as opposed to just getting credentials and shooting outside of the festival. So, yeah. That's interesting because I feel like in sports, people get a little protective about that sometimes, unless like you're on a team where it's like people just running and grabbing your cards. Yeah. Like, I mean, I felt that the first day I was like, oh, you need, you need my cards right now. <laughs> like right, right now. Because where does that fear come from? Um, It's just releasing creativity. Yeah. Like to know that somebody else is about to edit my shots or go through my stuff before I get to look through it. Yeah. But 
then I realized that I was shooting on dual card slots and I had my raws anyway. So even if they cleared my other cards. That's a good point. But I, I, that's something for me where I'm like, I'm always afraid of losing stuff. So like yeah. I just, by default, I'm shooting with two cards every time. Yeah. Because if that's something true. were to fail, I did have one incident with a wedding where a card, I had card failure and um, never want to feel that again. Never, never, ever, ever. So yeah. Did you reimburse? I did have to reimburse for that card failure. Um, and yeah, I was the first time I've had to reimburse ever. So, and it was of course one of my last weddings that I ever did. Ooh, what was that like? Explain that process. Um, I mean, it was, it was difficult because I had never, my biggest thing when I shot weddings was to never let my customers down, especially if they were friends. Mm -hmm. And I felt like in that type of situation, it's out of my control. Mm-hmm. I couldn't control that card failure. It wasn't even my card. It was a second shooter's card. And I had to deal with the repercussions of that. And I didn't take it too well. Mm-hmm. So it kind of was like the end of an era for me when it comes to weddings. Just because mm-hmm. like I don't have the capacity now with my schedule to have to deal with that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was tough. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, what's that process like, though, when you... One, is it something that's maybe in a contract beforehand? Because, like, obviously, with anything that we all shoot, there's always that risk of data loss, you know, whether it be from a memory card in the camera or even, like, a hard drive. Is that something that you put in your contract beforehand? Or, like, how do you handle that? I had went through so much when I started doing weddings um, to uh, what I, like, almost every wedding for the first, I would say, four or five years of me shooting, I added stuff to a contract after the wedding. Yeah. And I've shot over 200, 200 plus weddings by this, by current, like now. And um, every wedding I learned from, and, you know, one of the things was in the contract, I think it's paragraph six, line three, where it says, hey, you know, something that happens out of my control, you know, that's something like a God freak accident, whatever the case may be, is not on me. And like that blame can't be shifted back towards me. And in this particular situation, it was it was for a friend. So I was trying to, you know, go above and beyond. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know where that relationship is now, just because we haven't really spoken much since that. But yeah. Yeah, every every wedding for sure, like there's something added to it based off of something that I had to deal with prior. I feel like that's what makes me the most nervous personally with shooting weddings, especially is like the personal relationship because I think naturally people who know that we do content in some way, shape or form wants us to shoot their wedding. Like everybody wants to be like, Hey, can you do this? But then because it's so personal to them mm-hmm. and because it's like, you know, like at the end of the day, it's that one moment that is so incredible for them that if you mess up, it's like, even if it ain't your fault, they take it so personal and you feel bad and it's a lot of emotional attachment to that. But then also, like, I think naturally because you're, you know, a friend, sometimes it doesn't even, like, the process of getting to what the scope of work is isn't always the way that it would be if it was, like, a complete stranger because they're so comfortable with you. So it's not like, because I've shot a wedding where it was like, they didn't tell me what was important to them. They didn't tell the other guy that I was shooting with, what was important to them. So, like, we missed moments that were, like, key moments for them that 
to the naked eye, you're like, okay, like I didn't think that was a big deal, but they didn't say anything. And then afterwards, you can't go back and shoot it. It's yeah. like, dang, you missed this? And it's like, well, the yeah. The afterthought thing is definitely one of the hardest things where, you know, I've shot weddings where like afterwards, like, hey, did you get the shot of? And I'm like, that wasn't on your shot list. The cake. Like I have a whole shot list. That was like grandma's little mini cake. Yeah. That like, I didn't even know was handed <laughs> off. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing like, like yeah like I have definitely shot some stuff and they're like hey did you get the ice cream truck when the ice cream truck pulled in and I'm like nah why is that a special moment that's the thing it's, 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 it's personal to them but then it's not communicated and what happens on a wedding day is people get so busy mm-hmm. and don't realize how busy they get mm-hmm. and then afterwards it's like oh but you were supposed to get that how am I supposed to know yeah if you didn't tell me if I'm here to do a job, so if I'm a sniper and you tell me to execute this, this, and this, and then this over here in the corner is just chilling, you want me to get that too, but you didn't tell me on the list, I'm not about to be Superman and just assume that that's mm-hmm. also, but that's the thing. When people don't understand what code goes into your process and what you have to deal with and how many things you have to worry about while shooting, mm-hmm. they don't think about that because yeah. they're thinking about it from a civilian standpoint, like, oh, he'll get it. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. Yeah, because what's important to you isn't important to everyone else. And vice versa. What I may think you're going to cherish, you may not even care about. Oh, yeah. And I've had people tell me, like, oh, you know, I wasn't, like, we really didn't care too much about that. And I'm like, well, you marked it on your shot list. Like, before every wedding, my wife's a wedding coordinator, and we even added together shot list from a bride's perspective, a groom perspective, the ceremony, and the reception. So you literally Mm -hmm. go through and check it off. I sit down with my team. We go over every shot list. We know what we're shooting. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, if somebody says, hey, we missed this, and it's like, you didn't mark it on your shot list. Yeah. And also let them know, too, it's, there's the real the reality of it is I'm not, I'm not going to get every single thing on this shot list. Mm-hmm. But this gives me a good, genuine scope of what it is you're looking for. Yeah. And I will attack that per time allows. Because sometimes you go to a wedding and the bride is still no makeup, no hair done, and they had to be at the, you know, at the ceremony in like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, that's not on me. But yeah. when I first started shooting weddings, everyone looked at me like I was the event coordinator. I was running time and I was like, that is not my job. Yeah, you're just there to shoot. Like, I'm there to shoot. Like, and I tell people now, even to this day, if you do not have a coordinator to coordinate your day, it is not my responsibility to coordinate and get you where you need to get to. That's not my job. Yeah. And it's like a long time for people to like understand that. And I like had to thoroughly say like, hey, you are in charge of setting a desired coordinator to make, not your mom, not your sister, someone that is genuinely there to make sure your day goes smooth. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are definitely some learning curves when it came to doing the wedding stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. So how important do you feel like it is to have a team like in this process, whether it be one other shooter or what, like, what does that look like for you? Uh, very, because I used to think I can do everything. Mm-hmm. And I realized that in most cases I can, but it takes so much off of my plate to have someone else to do video. If I'm doing photo, mm-hmm. somebody else can strictly do video or vice versa. Or if I have a video person and a photo person, then I can also shoot hybrid. So that way I can still make sure I'm getting the shots that I want, but I also know that I have somebody else also capturing certain stuff that I might miss or from a different perspective. Um, and realistically, one thing it, it took a while for me to learn, but being a wedding photographer and videographer is you are there to capture as much as you can and your team is there to capture what you can't get. Yeah. 
So I, it took a while for me to get that mindset because I was just like, okay, well you do this and you do this. And I realized that some people don't shoot like me. Or most people don't shoot like me. They don't think like I do. They don't have mm-hmm. the same hype that I do when it comes to certain things. And then they'll miss it. And then now I'm sitting there salty because, hey, did you get the shot? Oh, no, nah, I didn't. I was like, damn. Yeah. Like, but I would have gotten the shot. So mm-hmm. I had to realize that, like, I have to still shoot it as I'm shooting by myself, but know that my team is there to back me up to get stuff that I can't get. So. And Chance, you shot a wedding recently. No, I was with about to say this. Sean, what was that like? This sounds nothing like what I had to deal with. How <laughs> so? Sean's in the back. I appreciate you, sir. Because um, <laughs> we didn't have to deal with any of that. It was kind of just Sean told me, you get this, you get that, you know. It's not really that hard. <laughs> like, it was such a chill thing, you know. Yeah. It's kind of just a free-for-all. And I think he had a relationship with um, the bride and the groom. I guess that helped in a way but mm-hmm. like I mean it was kind of a free-for-all like it was just get in and get out you yeah. know and I really enjoyed it it wasn't wasn't too difficult um, we even got fed you know that usually doesn't happen you don't get fed oh, that's in my way. contract my boy oh really <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no like legitimately in yeah, my, in my, my contract meal. and it states no vendor meal I'm eating what y'all are eating. Y'all eating chicken and waffles and duck and seven core salads. Yeah. And I'm eating the same. Because a couple of weddings I've shot. Mm-hmm. I, you remember the old school uh, field trip meals in the little mm-hmm. brown box yeah. with the frozen apple and the sandwich was cold? Yeah. They gave you that. Like they, I've, they used to eat it? Bro, I've shot at the Hilton, the yeah. Sheraton, the Western. And like they were like, oh, yeah, the vendor meals are over here. And I'm like. I, remember, I was at, I was at a golf I was very very I literally bounced my apple off the Ooh. table and it literally didn't even like dent. That's disrespectful. I, that's disrespectful. Yo. Yo, you know what? I actually did a wedding at a golf course and they said, "Oh, your vendor meals were in the back." I remember watching everybody else was eating chicken and waffles or it was like salmon and something else, and I watched them bring back ten plates to the back. So I'm like, okay, the vendor meals are ready. They gave us frozen sandwiches that defrosted, and my sandwich actually fell apart in my hands as I picked it up because it was it was fully defrosted. Like, you know when you have like bread in the freezer and you're like, okay, I'm gonna. It literally like slid off of my and I was like, so it got to a point where me and my team would be like, we would just say in and out if we knew that the food was gonna be terrible. All we would do is walk past each other in and out. So we know that after every wedding, we're gonna stop by in and out because they're open till like one two a.m. Yeah. So it didn't matter wow. if we was in Hollywood, if we was in Palm Springs, if I was in Seattle, wherever I'm shooting that wedding, I'm gonna find an in and out. And I'm gonna in and out. That's kind of disrespectful. Very much so. But it got to, especially with my wife being a coordinator for a lot of the weddings I started doing later on, is like she was like, we're not eating these vendor meals. So she put it in both of our contract because we merged companies and was like, we're eating what? So y'all paying that $80 for that plate? You paying that for me, for my second shooter, and my wife. Yeah, every time, and then her assistant. Do you feel like I'm overreacting when I say that's disrespectful? No, not at all. Because my thing is, I'm doing you a service, and I'm there with you from the time you start getting ready to the like, time y'all leave. That's like nine o'clock, and in the you morning. give me a frozen cookie and a juice box. <laughs> 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 And a juice Bro, box. Oh, man. That's wild. Especially um, when you, if you come over to my meal, oh, they fed you? I'm not even going like, to lie. Just as an innocent bystander coming in there saying, what's up? I need a part of 
Maybe not the crazy meal, because I get it, but like that's disrespectful. Frozen. And the worst part is like these are five star hotels. Yeah, like, like oh, we have on, vendor bro, They don't got no wings or something. <laughs> yeah. They feed me. It's been a couple, it's been a couple of times where like they put the vendor meal on the on the table and I would just be like. <laughs> Cause at some point it's a lack of respect for me, not just as a human being, but as the person that you hired to shoot this whole thing. Like, if you treat your wedding as this big, extravagant moment, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of, some people spend a lot of money on a wedding. You know, 30000 40000 No, that's low. No, I mean, tripping. 30, six figures, six figures. 30000 50000 stuff like that. That means that if you wanted me to be here to shoot it, you think that highly of my work. You need to be feeding me the same way Cause an apple that I can throw at the wall and it won't move, like that's crazy. Yeah, that's not even a real apple. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So what is it like working with other people in that space? But then obviously now too, like you work with other people at fifteen hundred Sound Academy. Like, um, what's that experience? It's just interesting because, I, like I said, I learned that not everyone shoots like me. So mm-hmm. I had to get that out of my head of, like, as good as you might be, I'm still going to look at things completely different than you. Mm-hmm. And not to say I'm, like, better than anybody in any case. It's just I know how I shoot. I know how I take care of my equipment. I know all of those those things for myself to where now releasing that to someone else is is sometimes hard for me because it's, like, Okay, well, I baby a lot of my gear and I see somebody else that like they're good shooters, but then like their camera is like extra dusty because they don't ever clean like the top part or like brush it out or something, or they might not clean their their sensor often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I do that, I kind of just try to teach folks like certain good habits to have. So mm-hmm. that way kind of people now add that to their 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 routine just from mistakes that I've made in the past. So I kind of just share a lot of knowledge that. Like I used to mess up at and be like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe this person hasn't gotten to that point yet or shot enough things to know that. So, hey, man, this is something that I do that helps me out. If you use it, cool. If you don't, cool. I just yeah. like to little, still try to give out things that I've learned and advice. And if you take it, cool. If you don't, bet. Because there's, there's so much to learn, especially in this creative space, that I'm like, I don't want to just keep all that in. Because there's a lot of things I wish I knew when I was younger shooting to now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I feel like it's it's tough for people to work with other creatives sometimes and for whatever reason that might be. So like hearing that is good to know that like you even take that time to share that kind of stuff and share that kind of knowledge with other creatives because I've been in instances myself where I feel like people I've been around were like shocked that I'm willing to share certain information with them or just like connect with them. But I've also been in that space where it's like, I don't want to connect with you. I don't want to share anything with you. Um, because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it could be various things. Sometimes it's like that person may feel like a vulture in a way. Sometimes that person could seem like disingenuous. So it's like, you don't really feel compelled to help them. Oh yeah. You can, you you can see that energy from a mile away now. Yeah. Especially with being a creative, like, especially in like LA County, it's just very oversaturated. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to see cats that are up on a pedestal Mm -hmm. even when they shouldn't be. But you you can see their you can see their energy and be like, all right, but like my energy is I'm going to always try to help people around me because yeah. at the end of the day we're all in the same boat. So if I can if I can help out, if I've got 
you know, nine lenses and five bodies and you've got one, hey, if you need another angle, let yeah. me know. We can set something up. You got another angle. I got an angle, mm-hmm. whatever. You know what I'm saying? But I've met people who will turn that away because they're just like, oh, well, I'm going to do my own thing. Okay, but. The ego. Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's, it's like, it could be the ego. It could be, you know, them not wanting to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Them not them knowing that they're not at a certain level to use certain equipment, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. But end of the day, like if you don't try it, how are you gonna get good at it? Yeah, that's just how I look at stuff. But you know, I didn't come from a lot, so if I have now gotten to the point where I can share my equipment with people, cool. What but the minute you, the minute you kind of yeah do something that turns me off of that, yeah, bet I'll pack my stuff up and put it back in the bag and. Oh, hey, you still got that? Nah. Shut <laughs> the house. Yeah, I left it. You got that uh, that 85 millimeter 1.2? Yeah, I'll go ahead and put that in the trunk and just be like, yeah, man, uh, you know what? The homie got it. Because, <laughs> like, realistically, once you rub me the wrong way, I don't, I don't rock with you at all. Yeah. I just, I give people second chances down the line, but if we're in a moment and you kind of just give me the attitude or the, the negative energy, like, I don't have, life is too short for the negative energy, so I'm mm-hmm. not here to deal with that. If I come in happy and positive and you out here on some I'm too cool guy, okay, bet. Bullshit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're on your, if you're on your BS, that is not for me. Yeah. Like, I've lost way too much. I've lost more in my life than anybody else that I know personally mm-hmm. for me to sit here and take in your energy and not add that to my life with all the stuff I already got going on. Like, I watched both my parents pass. Mm-hmm. Both of them flatline in the hospital. So, like, anything negative that you're trying to push towards me, I'm good. Yeah, I don't need that. I already exactly. have enough dark cloud for me to sit here and, like, take what you got going on to add to my stress already. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. good. Life's too short for all that. Do you feel like that energy that you get from other creators, or just people in general, obviously, do you feel like that affects your creativity when you're in the shoot or whatever it is you're doing? Uh, it just makes me want to outshoot you. Yeah. Like, I'm humble to, like, 97%. When you get that 3%. <laughs> the 3% is crazy, ain't it? Hey, I'd go LeBron in the fourth. I, I was even saying that at Coachella. I was just like, look, like, I felt a certain type of way based on other creatives' energy towards me, so I was like, bet, I'm going to outshoot you. And outshooting people was got me in the rooms because people were like, yo, like, I have a superpower, right? I can shoot a photo of somebody, plug it into my iPad, plug it into my computer, Five minutes later, you got 20 shots sent to your phone. And you're like, we're still here. And I'm like, I know. So that, that, that being able to do that in front of a Sweetie, in front of a James Fauntleroy, in front of a Rance, a Cosign, any of these celebrities, a Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Like. You talking big shit now. I mean, he nice. He, he in his bag <laughs> now. <laughs> hey, that's that big shit. But it's, it's just, I mean, like I said, for me, I, I've always, I'm out. a very... Very humble cat, but like, I don't, that I don't try to narrate. I don't try to narrate what I do. Like yeah. y'all see what I do. If I say if I'm out somewhere, y'all never see. Oh yeah, today we out here. Like I just literally tell, show you what I'm doing. Yeah, and be like, I'm on set. And yeah. then down the line, you'd be like, Oh, that's what he was shooting. Yeah, like, let the work speak. Like I let the work speak for itself. And I know too many people on social media that are trying to tell people what they do. Mm-hmm. They're not showing nobody what they do. You preaching today, Pastor. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I've been I've been talking about this for a while now. I have a few people that I know that they're just narrating. Yeah, man, it's tough. Narrating social media, and it's like if somebody to add, like my wife, we were in Santorini, me and my wife, and we were on a we we're on a tour, and she was talking to a couple that was next to us, and I was like, oh yeah, I do photography and stuff. I took some pictures of them while we were there, and my wife was like, no, tell them who you shoot for, and I was like. <laughs> Like, oh, you know, I got some NBA clients, NFL clients. She's like, no, you shoot celebrities. Just tell them you shoot celebrities. And I was like, and it's weird because I don't I don't see myself as that. But then I realized that, like, yeah, that's my job. Like, I was, you know, in the last few years, I've shot people that I used to listen to their music or I used to look at them on TV. And then now I'm sitting in a room having yeah conversation with you, chopping it up, and we giving life advice. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it's like, I'm never going to fanboy over anybody. But I'm also going to cherish the gems that they're dropping on top of that. You know what I'm saying? So. That's interesting. You know, like, okay, so we both used to work at Apple. So this is a plug. Do not ask us to troubleshoot anything. But Definitely not. That was one of the competencies where it's like, okay, informing is, an inc- is a competency where it's like you're either overusing it or you underusing it. And right there, like, you're legit underusing this ability to really like advocate for yourself. And it's something that personally I deal with too. Cause it's like, I'm never going to like raise my hand and say, Hey, look at me. You know, I'm never, you, you might not even know half the stuff that I've done, which sometimes I feel like can hinder us. Yeah. For but sure. it's like, you know, like that's dope that your wife is someone that can be like your biggest advocate and say, Hey, like, nah, pop your shit. Tell them what you do. And it's good because it's coming from somebody else. And I think, like, me and Chance talked about it on our last uh, pod was, like, having other people be the ones that advocate for you and, like, speak your high praises and you not necessarily having to. But sometimes that can be, like, seen as a flaw in a way. Because it's like, no, you don't need to be arrogant about who you are and what it is that you do. But at the same time, like, yeah. Like, if you doing it, you doing it. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I'm obviously going to tell you your work is crazy and you're doing dope stuff, but it's like, you I should be able it. to it's, comfortably kind of walk around. Like you said, that 3% come out, oh, that yeah, 3% no. like start being resentful. It's it's there. And, um, you know, kind of like, like a little deeper with me, like I grew up, you know, in Jamaican household, like photography is not a real job, right? Mm-hmm. But growing up, I didn't really get a lot of support for a lot of stuff I did outside of like, you know, sports. And so, you know, even when I like was trying to really do this photography stuff, I dealt with it from, you know, my in-laws, my family, you know, my mother's side of the family. And one of the biggest things for me, I said, if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it so good that you can't say anything but good things about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I told um, one of my my aunts that I was going to buy a house and it was kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, all right. And I remember I was talking to Apple and I was like, I'm saving up and buy this house, do this photography thing. And I started losing money going to work at Apple because I was getting so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, got everything, you know, ready for my house, my first house and everything, signed the papers, quit my job the week before I got, I actually got the keys to my house. I remember. I remember but that, combo that same that. time I got flown out to New York to go shoot the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And the, I came back that end of that Friday, the following week, I had the keys to my first house. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, now I'm like, man, 
can't nobody take that away from me but me. Like, like nobody's going to F this up yeah. except for me. And I refuse to let anyone take it away from me because, like I said, I didn't have that support growing up. So now, yeah. like, to know that I'm doing enough to where I got my own house, I bought a new car, I got my first Harley, all those things within the first year of me owning my house. Like, I'm coming up on a year next month on mm-hmm. the second. So to see all the things that I've been blessed with from— That's crazy timing. From this 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 so-called, you know, little camera business that people used to say I had. Like, a friend of mine kind of put me in check the other day because I, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder sometimes when I post on social media. And she was like, friend, what else do you have to prove? She was like, you've done everything you told me you were going to do. You said you were going to buy a house, you bought the house. You said you're going to take care of your wife and your family, and you're doing that. So what else do you need? And I was like, damn. Like, she's right. I can't sit here and, you know, hold a grudge against everybody because I'm living what I said I was going to live, and, like, that's it. So, yeah. Yeah, man. That's hard, though, because it's always, like, not even necessarily, like, naysayers, but people aren't going to be advocating for you if they don't see themselves low-key in your dreams. Oh, for like, sure. Like, that's the toughest part because it's like, all right, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to have a house. I want to shoot this person. I want to do this. Nobody else sees that for you. You're the only person that see it for yourself. So you're not about to get people really like, do it, do it, do it. I'm excited for you. Like, that's not the norm. It's just crazy how we, but we yearn for that. We We do. We yearn, we yearn, especially older folks in our lives. It's like, why couldn't you give me that energy when I didn't have what I have? We want that validation and we never get it because... Even when everybody's extremely happy for you, once you've gotten it, it don't feel the same. Yeah, because it's like, where was this at when I wanted it? Yeah. Like, when I knew when I needed it. But, you know, one of my cousins, like my brothers, he's like, dog, like, you took everybody that said no to you, gave them the middle finger, and you shut them up. Because now can't nobody tell you nothing. Yeah. Like, they don't pay your mortgage. They don't pay for your bike. They don't pay for your car. They don't provide for your family. They don't put food in your fridge. Like, you're doing it. So... Mm-hmm. It's it sucks that we didn't get it when we when we really want it, but at the same time, I use it. In my opinion, I use it to fuel me getting to where I got to. Because mm-hmm. I was like, both my parents are gone. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I lost a good chunk of my family after my mom passed, and I was like, okay, well, if if it starts with my legacy now with my family, with when me and my wife have kids and things like that, then I'm gonna do everything I need to do to take care of us. You know, like, I'm not looking for anybody else because nobody's living in my house with me. It's just me and her. So, yeah. we're, you know, it's ride or die at this point. So, and she she bought my first camera in 2012. Like, we got together. She was like, you, you really have something special. Like, here's a camera. She That's just it. she happened to buy a red camera because, you know, I like red. And she knew nothing about photography, but a little, mm-hmm. little Nikon D3200 mm-hmm. camera bundle from Amazon. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you were serious. <laughs> I was just taking photos with my iPhone. And I was, yeah. she was like, no, like, I really think you have something special. Mm-hmm. And so, like, now it's like, why would I fuck that up for her? Yeah. Pardon my, my French. But it's yeah. just like, you gave me the tool to use it yeah. to be where we're at now. What is that like? Like, being married and being a creative? Like, is it? It is hard. I'm going to say that right now because as y'all know, you know, we're on call. We're essentially we're on call for mm-hmm. gigs and things. Sometimes we got to leave the town for like a week. Sometimes we got to be out of town for the whole weekend. Sometimes we might be able to shoot from 7 a.m. until, you know, 10 p.m. Yeah. And so to try to balance out the two, like I had to start using a calendar system. I started using 
um, accounting system with my wife and basically saying, hey, date nights are these days, mm. you know, so that way we have that time. My phone is on do not disturb, yeah. you know, like I even ha- I have some that even keep certain like clients from reaching me because I have to respect that I'm having personal time. Mm-hmm. And like it, it took a while for me to get to that point because even while we were saving up for our house and I was really tapping into this new realm of like music, sports, everything else, mm-hmm. um, we were going through it. Yeah. So she didn't see me. Like I was gone literally all day. I would go to Apple from this time to this time. Then I would leave there, go do a shoot, go hang with this producer, go hang with this artist, this athlete. And I wouldn't come home till late. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't see you. Yeah. And I was like, she didn't see what I'm where I got to now, but it just took a while for her to understand like what this life is going to look like moving forward. Mm-hmm. And we're still fine tuning and there's still stuff we're trying to work out, you know, as we're trying to expand our family and everything, but it's just, it's definitely hard to balance out the two. So you have to remind yourself, you're still a husband, you're still a spouse. You still have somebody else that you're responsible for. Yeah. And it's sometimes not about the, all the money, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause we can get into this, like, Oh, if I don't shoot, I don't eat. But then if you're budgeting, and you're trying to say, okay, let me just have a little rainy day fun for when I do need to take that break. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there's times where I need like a mental break where I'm like, yo, I can't shoot anything this week. I need just to be with my family. Yeah. I need to be at home. And if I didn't have that emergency fund, then it would be all bad. So. Yeah. Damn, that was deep. Yeah, I know I went there. Sorry. <laughs> well, I feel like it's such a common thing that like we experience as not just creatives, but I feel like full-time entrepreneurs, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you're in this relationship with this person and like, you know, sometimes you guys are in the same place, but sometimes you aren't with where you want to be personally for yourself and like really like trying to figure out what that looks like. Because a lot of people, they see freelancers and they think that they just doing whatever they they want to do. But the reality is you literally leave a nine to five to go to a 24-8. Yeah. 25, 8. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like every hour of your day really is committed to whatever it is that you're trying to build, mm-hmm. you know, alongside what your partner wants um, and even for themselves. So it's like seeing that, you know, somebody can do that in a healthy way and still like there's going to be hurdles and stuff like that. But knowing that like you're taking those steps, I think that's big because people don't talk about that a lot, you know, and I've had a lot of conversations. A few of my friends like have been with you know, their significant other and and now they're not because of just the hardship of them being in two different places, wanting two different things. Maybe their end goal is the same, but like, you know, maybe I want to go to school for nursing and you're out here, you know, going shoot to shoot to shoot to shoot and I don't see you and maybe I'm busy all the time or whatever that looks like. Maybe I'm at home all the time with the kid and you're gone all the time or whatever that looks like and it's like trying to figure out how to balance that. Um... I feel like people are going through it. It's man. a constant battle for sure. And um, that's one of the, like, one of the things with my wife is like, I've known her since 2006 and she's been one of my best friends since then. You mm-hmm. know, we got married in 2016. We got together in 2012 and I, people always ask me like, you know, what is the key to a solid relationship? And I said, being friends, mm-hmm. like, because before anything else, like she was my friend. When I was going through with my parents or family issues or, you know, my mental struggles, she was there for me, pushing me to be better and pushing me in a a good direction. So, like, if we ever get to a tough time, we bounce, we we lean on our friendship 
more than anything, more than our relationship, more than our marriage, because mm-hmm. that's where our base was, was she's my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, we friends, like we connected, you know, instantly. Yeah. And we had known about each other's work for a minute. But then it's like when I meet genuine people, then I'm going to rock with you. Mm-hmm. Unless until you give me a reason not to. Like, so I, I don't have too many folks that I consider like my day one. I went from having a circle to a square. Right. Mm-hmm. I used to think that everybody was my friend learn real quick whether it was a motorcycle club whether it's mm-hmm. co-workers whatever it might be like i have my wife is in one corner i have some cousins that i you know there's my another corner mm-hmm. cats that i've known since like the third grade and then i have like some day ones where mm-hmm. like they haven't switched up from the day that i met them mm-hmm. if i had to call them for something they got my back yeah and instead of me having this plethora of people mm-hmm. like i just I can bounce to those four corners and i'm good yeah i don't need to make new friends all the time. I don't need like fake energy around me, but mm-hmm. I know that these four corners will always back me yeah. no matter what I do. They'll, they'll also tell me when I'm effing up. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing something, my friends have been telling me for, I would say eight out of the 10 years that I've been shooting to quit and go full time with it. And I was like, oh, nah, man, nah, man. It's scary. And man. even when I did it, they're like, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Like I made my first six figures working for myself before working for anybody else. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Okay. It's like, that's what we're on. It's a different energy. Like, it's a different. For sure. But it also showed me what's possible. Mm-hmm. It also showed me that I can, like, live a life and still travel into the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can do this as long as I have a solid foundation of people around me. If I didn't have that, it would be hard because we already go through our mental struggles as creatives. Yeah. We're by ourselves a lot. I was just telling a friend of mine that, um, like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of cool shit. I'm by myself a lot. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I might be around clients and things like that, and I'm not saying I'm not cool with these people. Yeah, but it's different when it's not somebody you genuinely know like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gets tough because then you realize like I'm by myself. I'm in traffic by myself. I'll hop on the phone, call y'all, and be like, "Hey y'all, have, <laughs> have nothing to talk about." Yo, but I just call y'all just to get y'all doing. <laughs> I'm glad was, I'm not the only one that feel that way because I will go through my Rolodex on my phone and be like, go through the A's, like, all right, yeah. all right everybody at Apple. Okay, I'm in the B's. <laughs> I ain't talked to Brian in a minute. Let me see what Brian. Yeah, on. I mean, you really are by yourself. But do you feel like you see your wife more now that you are, you know, doing your own thing, or do you feel like it's yes. about the same? Yes, I do feel like I see her more because I can control more of like. The shoots that I accept. Mm-hmm. So before it was like I would go to work from like nine to six or twelve to nine, and I would still try to shoot on top of that. Yeah. So I'd be gone all day. But now, let's say if I'm I'm done shooting for the week and I don't have anything on my my calendar for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you know I have realized I haven't been with my wife for a while. We haven't done anything. Like our biggest, we travel and eat. So. I feel it. Like one big thing for us is we will hop on open table, hop on Yelp, go find a cool restaurant, hop on the bike, hop in the car, go drive to San Diego for the day and go up to, you know, Big Sur, mm-hmm. go to Solvang up in, you know, Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and just go find some place where we can just vibe and get, a, you know, get away. Yeah. Because one thing, too, is like living in San Bernardino, working in L.A., I'm not a skip jumping a call away. Like you need to let me know beforehand because yeah. pending traffic. If I'm not on my bike, it's going to be a two-hour push. Yeah. You know, average, not saying all the time, but average is going to be two hours. So that kind of gives me a little bit of peace, too, because if I'm at home and nobody's told me about anything beforehand, now people respect. And, like, a lot of my clients see where I live. I'm like, yo, 
Look at this. Yeah. That's my drive home right now. Yeah. So if you ever say, oh, Nick's not dedicated, fam, you know how long it took me to get here? <laughs> you know how long it's going to take me to get home? Two hours is... So, I mean, four, hour, four hours a day is like an average for me to be out of the house just driving. Yeah. So, like, once my wife kind of understood, like, sometimes I'll come home. If I just go upstairs to the loft, hey, it's not that I don't want to talk to you. I need to just decompress yeah. the people that I just cussed out on the 10, the 15, the 210, the, <laughs> 60, the 605. You got road rage? Not road rage, but when you ride a motorcycle for 13 years, you just you just kind of react to cars a little different. Yeah. Uh, if I'm on the bike, I'm I'm not tripping because y'all are stuck in traffic. I'm going to just be. Yeah. But if I'm in the car, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm angry at a couple people. I got my first speeding ticket the other day for the first time in over a decade. Wow. Like on Memorial Day weekend, that Friday, going down to 15. Mm. Uh, was, that was actually my mom's uh, birthday. And I kind of was just zoned out. I was driving. I was going like 87, 88. And I like look, and there's a bike behind me. I let him out the way. And I just looked up and I seen the cop rushing to get in his I thought it was the bike he was going after. Of course, the bike decides to pump on his brakes. So now it looks like I'm brake checking. I'm mm-hmm. just hitting my stuff. Lit me up. And I was just like, like, the conversation was so quick. He was like, all right, Nick, hey, I got you uh, this and that. And uh, yeah, go ahead and sign this for me. You need a thing in the mail. And I was just like, I forgot what it's like to even get a ticket. Because getting that check, man. No, they probably they was were. They getting a little quota. They probably were because he hopped in his car like he forgot something that, like Whole Foods. Like, <laughs> He's just like, oh, got him. Needed one and for And it quarter. doesn't help that I have a bright red car. So it's like, <laughs> Of all the cars, he was like, God. and I was like, ain't this about a... That's funny. And at first I was kind of like salty. Then I was like, Nick, as much as you drive in over a decade, this is your first ticket. I mean, that's good. Though. Like, it's not like it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. And, I, and I, I've been preaching this lately, too. Is like, I'm from a third world country having some first world problems. Like, I still have a car. Yeah. I still have a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. My wife has a car. I still have a vehicle to get around if I needed to. Who to tow my car? I have money in my account to pay that. So it's like, what am I really upset about? Yeah. Because I think about back home a lot when I'm like, I'm in positions where people would probably kill to get out of back home. So like, what am I really complaining about? Mm-hmm. So I kind of keep that in the back of my mind to kind of help me stay level because some stuff ain't really that deep. And you know, being in this space, you can definitely get lost and just be like, man, what the? And you're like. Really tripping, yeah. Like, oh man, a lens broke. I got money in my bank account and I got insurance, and I have other lenses. So, like, what am I really tripping on? Because I really be like checking myself. Like, yeah, what are you really mad about, fam? I'm like, I can hear my mom and dad. I'm Nick. I lost the way out. I was like, oh, you know what? <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm from a third world country having first world problems. Yeah. Like, I have a $4,000 water filtration system in my house. I'm over here tripping on bottled water. Look at you flexing on us, though. I'm not flexing. It was one of the real things that made me Damn. realize I got a house. My wife said, oh, it's going to be four. I said, how much would you say? <laughs> we I, we just put down 40 to get in this month. What you? Yo. Yeah. But at the same time, we didn't know that the water line in the house um, was, like, messed up. And we had to have a water filtration system. And yeah. But luckily, the person prior to us moving there left all the lines. Mm-hmm. So we just had to buy the filter. Still cost me four grand. And I was like, hmm. So that makes you appreciate things a little bit more. I oh, feel like you got a percent. good sense of, like, thousand percent. is I remember, it really I mean, that deep? Like, a lot of times, too, like, I remember, like, I used to eat sardines out the can, like, like... <laughs> 
jelly sandwiches with no peanut well, butter. Raisins in the red box. Bruh, I mean, I used to have good. I used to have cereal with water because we didn't even have milk in the fridge. So like, bro, there's a lot of things that I realized like coming from where I came from and to know, even when I go back home, there's some people who don't even have hot water. Yeah. And I'm like, I have a house. And like, you work for this. You put, you went through all of that to get to this. Yeah. So like when I, even when I was designing the house, it was like designed for me to come home, to want to, want to be home. Mm-hmm. And like, just knowing that, like I can go to Costco and drop $200 on some groceries. When like, I remember when like we was out here at Food for Less, everything was in a can, you know, corned beef hash, tuna, sardines, like spam. You know, my wife, my wife is from uh, the suburbs. And mm-hmm. one day I hit her with the spam and eggs and she was like, she was probably you? like, what is she, this? Yeah. But guess what though? <laughs> Loves it now. That shit busting. <laughs> yeah. Spam and eggs yesterday. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's different. Even when we went back to Jamaica and we had, I told her, I was like, hey, there's no hot water. She was like, nah, there's some hot water. I'm like, nah, like, this house, I'm going to tell you right now, does not have hot water. I heard her scream from down the hall and I said, I tried to tell you. That's crazy. But I feel like it really makes you appreciate stuff. I mean, when I went to the Bahamas, I've been going on this trip the past couple years um, in January. Um, they got hit by a big, it's not a flex, but look, they got hit by a big hurricane. Yep. Um, and this past January, one of the guys that works with us in the tournament that we're doing um, on the island of Abaco, he showed us like his house. And I remember last year, which was the first time I went, like seeing everything still kind of like in ruin. Right. But then this year, like he's taking me through shanty towns. I'm seeing where like, whole shanty towns with all these Haitian people literally, like, flooded and are gone. And then they're having to, like, rebuild civilization in random places. And, like, him showing me, like, half of his house, like, still using, like, a generator in the back. And then the other half, like, they're buying materials and stuff like that from the U.S., getting it, like, imported over and trying to... And that stuff changes, like, your perspective of how you look at, like, this, like you said, first world problems and, like, we're complaining about stuff and, like... There's a lot of things it's, that we it's rough. We have, and it's like I'm. I really can't complain about much. Like even if we have like a bill late, like we don't get the money, but yeah. it's just like some people haven't paid their rent in like four or five months, and right. it's just like I, I'm. I can't trip about nothing. Like, yeah, it's like if I'm tripping, I'm complaining because like my dad used to tell me all the time, like, "What are you complaining about?" He's like, you know what? I went through to get you here. And I'm like, I have no rebuttal to that. <laughs> like, at all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. my parents both came here, got themselves a respectable job. My mom was a nurse. My dad was in accounting. And, you know, to see them work. My mom worked from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. at one job and went to another job from 3 to three to 10. Every day up until she passed. So like me, ever, I'll, you'd never see me complaining about working too much because yeah. like she did that with no complaints. But then towards the end of everything, you know, it's not to say it like that, but she would schedule like trips to Jamaica and be gone for like a week at a time. Mm-hmm. And she'd go out to go back home, you know, hang out with her husband and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just a reminder that even though you work so much, you still have to have that time for you mm-hmm. to, to, you know, do something outside of just working. 
Yeah. And to, you know, to see her so happy when we go back home and, you know, she's smiling, she's with her family, she's at the beach, you know, even my mom didn't swim like that. She just loved being by water and stuff like that. And it's like yeah. constant reminder that like, as much as we work, we still got to have us time. Because if you don't, and you're just stuck working and you end up in a, in a dark hole and now you're just like, yeah, you know, F the world. And it's like, I can't say that because this is my, my job. Like this is. And the we world get, don't stop. Like we get paid to use our cameras. Like. I know, bro. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, when you really think like about you it, got, like we can make six figures using cameras while people are still working in a retail space, making like thirty grand, thirty-five. A year. You know what I'm saying? It's like I've worked a lot of jobs growing up. I used to fuel planes. I used to work at Target overnight. I worked during the daytime. I was a pharmacy technician, licensed by California. Mm-hmm. Like I worked in warehouses, and it's like to see where people are at, even when, as they get older. And been, I've been here 20 years. I've been here and I'm just like, it's not for me. Like I learned a long time ago that I wasn't built to work for other folks in a traditional sense. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I get paid to use my camera. It's a crazy concept. Like I'm getting paid six figures to use a camera. So the, so. Normally, I would say. <laughs> I'm normally, really norm, glad. Normally, you're I would paid say six figures. Normally, I would say something back to that. But <laughs> one of the things that one of my boys had told me, he said, "Be so busy that nobody can fire you." Damn, that's so, a bar. So, but it sounds tired. At first, I was like, "What does that mean?" And he was like, "If somebody says, hey, Nick, we're going a different direction. We're going to work with someone else. Thank you for everything.'" Don't ever give someone the power to pretty much take everything away from you that you're working for, mm. but just have another gig lined up or that you're already working on and then now get that bag, get that bowing up and yeah. then get another one so that way you have consistently something going on. And it was more so if in a general sense, don't put all your eggs in one basket because if that basket fall, then what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like I said, if I mess up everything and I lose everything, which will never happen, but that's on me. Mm-hmm. Like if I put all my eggs in one basket, it's not just me that's going to feel that. My wife is going to feel that. Yeah. You know, my three dogs, like my mortgage, like all of that goes away. So I refuse to ever let someone be like, oh, Nick, we're no longer working with you. Okay, bet. Thank you for your time and keep it going. I'm Jamaican. I'm a, I'll work nine jobs Yeah. just to make sure we straight. Yeah. I remember like, you know, there was a, there was a tough time my wife and I had and you know, it was just me working for a little bit and she was still figuring some things out. And I was driving for Uber, DoorDash, Postmates, Lyft, still going to AT&T to go to work during the day, still shooting weddings, still shooting portraits on the weekend, mm-hmm. just to make sure we were straight. And I promised my wife we would never, ever get back to that point to where, like, all it's all work and when we have no time for each other. I was like, we'll never go back to that. Yeah. So. You know, we sat down, we started budgeting finances, saying, hey, this money's going into this account. And I have a rule now, like, there's always got to be money in my savings account, money in my business account, and money in my personal account mm-hmm. and our joint account. If money's in all four, then I'm straight. Yeah. If I see money coming away from one, then I got to go harder. Simple as that. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, what advice would you give somebody like Chance here? Who's young, right? Trying to get a little more established in this space. And, like, I feel like now things are, like, so non-traditional, right? We've both gone through that phase of, like, we've had jobs, you know, got into the corporate world a little bit, whatever. 
and then making that decision to go full-time freelance. And I feel like this young man has obviously had the pleasure of not having to go that route, but it doesn't look the same. You know what I mean? And so it's like, what can you tell him or how can you guys discuss like what that process should look like, could look like? How old are you? 22. 22. So I didn't even start my first like official business till I was 25. Um, one thing I can say though is like every opportunity you have, focus on how that can get you your next opportunity. Because one of my boys at, uh, at Apple told me, he said, one thing I always appreciate about Nick is Nick, even though he's in a shoot, he's looking at how he can get the next shoot from that shoot. And that has put me in different rooms because now I'm sitting here, I'm talking to this person, I'm talking to that person, but I'm also showing them what I can do. So that way before they leave, or before I leave that set or that room or whatever the case is, now they know, hey, that's Nick. He does this, he does that. He killed it today. Like I shot a wedding with a lot of, you know, high value folks. And one thing I kept hearing before I left the wedding, it's like, yo, Nick's turnaround time is crazy. Nick is out here snapping. Nick, my name is now in people's heads. From that, I've developed a relationship with Super Bowl champions from the Denver Broncos, you know, Bobby Wagner from the Seattle Seahawks, like all these different cats. And when you... When I look back at it and I said, these are all from people rocking with my energy, mm -hmm. but also see the value that I bring to whatever it is I'm shooting, right? So mm -hmm. if, you, if you're adding value to anybody's shoot, then the sky's the limit from there. Because now they're like, hey, we know what Nick brings to the table. Nick is going to have a quick turnaround time. Nick is going to bring good energy, none of that negative energy shit. He's going to make sure that people are in a good mood and they're comfortable in front of the camera as well as camera off. So then once you kind of make your name for yourself that way, you, you can be a decent photographer, but if your energy is up here and you have a positive spirit to you, then your spirit will continue to put you in the rooms, right? Mm. Um, the, one of the reasons I got into the music space, you know, my brother Cosign, I shot his wedding. I wasn't even supposed to shoot his wedding. I actually took a leave from Apple and I told my second shooter because he had booked it. He was like, yo, I got a wedding, you know, it's with a pretty popular producer. And, um, you know, he did ask for Big Sean, Anaconda for Nicki Minaj. I didn't know this until we met, but his mom had passed, right? So at the wedding, that he had a moment and I said, hey, my mom passed. And we exchanged, you know, conversation. And we had a moment and, you know, we dapped up and everything. We had fun the rest of the night. I made sure to try to keep his energy up as best I could whenever I had the chance to. He called me after his wedding and was like, yo, I rock with your energy. And I'm really trying to rebrand and do some new stuff um, with my brand. I would love to work with you and stuff like that. Like I said, I wasn't supposed to be at his wedding in general. So the fact that like now I go to this wedding, I meet him, we rap. And then now you're calling me to do some work with you. And, you know, I did some stuff. I was like, this is something new to me. I'm, I'm on leave from work. So I'm like, well, shoot, let me see where this goes. Yeah. That now put me in other rooms with Sweetie. You got me with James Fauntleroy, Rance Dobson from 1500 or nothing. You know, they're, they're rolling with like Nipsey's camp and like all these different people and Clemens, like all these people that I've met that are, you know, now are like folks that I'm really cool with, but like he put me in those rooms for me just working with him. Right. I started working with Rance. Rance was like, Hey, I have a project with Sweetie. We'd love if you can come film it. Now I'm in a room with Sweetie. I'm, you know, all these different people are coming into these rooms, but all because of my energy and also what I bring to the table. So I add value to every room that I'm in. So then if you continue to add that value, 
wherever you're at, whether even if it's just like you having a meeting with somebody, you're in a shoot, it's a full blown production, and people are like, "Yo, where's Chance at?" Like they start thinking like, "Okay, where's what?" You know, once they people say your name over and over again, and they remember what it is about you that they like, then from there, you're gonna continue to be in rooms. Because even Cosine, me and him had a conversation. He was like, "I might have put you in those rooms, but you put yourself into the other rooms." And I was like, "Damn, I didn't think about it like that." He was like, your spirit is the reason why you're in these rooms as well as your talent. It's not solely based off of your skill set, because there's a lot of talented photographers in L.A. Mm-hmm. But he was like, people rock with you because they rock with you. Mm. And I was like, that's deep. Makes sense. So if you go into a room and people already have, you already have your ego up here, you're that dude, nobody can talk to you. Nobody's going to want to call you for anything. Yeah. Like I started working with Coachella and AEG and Golden Voice. And I've already shot two projects after stage coaching Coachella with them. And I was only with them for, what, 12 days? So within that 12 days, made enough of an impact to continue work. And they were to say, hey, Nick, we have these projects coming up. We'd love for you to work on it. And so, amen. That's good. You know, I actually have a question for you. So me and Janine always, or me and Janine and Sean, we always have like this conversation where we feel like, you know, we can relate to a lot of like the athletes because of our background and, you know, just us being black people, right? Yeah. Does that like translate in the artist space too? Um, In a sense, um, it's definitely, when you're with, their, especially with music folks, you can, you kind of see who they are. And some stuff you're like, oh man, I can relate to like how you're living. Some folks, depending on their like their their status, though, you can see how their team makes sure they have everything that they need. And it's not something that I'm used to because I'm used to doing stuff on my own. But the more established folks are, and they have like a team, they have personal assistants, they have all these different things. Um, it's definitely it was an eye opener for me to realize that sometimes you can't do everything on your own. So that, that I relate to is where, like, I would think I can do everything all by myself, but then some days I might need a second shooter. I might need somebody else to help me with stuff. And so when I see them and how they build their team, they have somebody that takes care of their booking. They have people that take care of their food, somebody that takes care of their wardrobe, somebody that takes care of all these things. And so when I see that, it just reminds me that, like, nobody can do anything by themselves. You know what I'm saying? It's every Everything is a team, a team effort. And choosing your team is important to like your success because if you don't have a solid team behind you you do you know, i can do by myself and do by myself what if somebody else knows something that you don't mm-hmm. and you're just thinking okay it's just me it's just me like there's things that janine probably knows that i don't and vice versa but if we come together and we're sharing that knowledge then now we're leveled up than where we would have been if it was just me thinking oh yeah i, I know how to do this i know how to do this you know what i'm saying so I don't know if that technically answered the question, but yeah. I did. Do you feel like you're, they're more open to open up to you like the artists too? Because being um, black. Yeah, I can definitely see that, you know, when you're in certain spaces, if you give off, like I said, if you give off that positive energy and you're not somebody that, that's fanning out, then people would definitely open up more to have those conversations with you. Um, I've definitely done some interviews and just watched some sessions where, you know, Folks will just be genuine with you if you respect them as people, not just artists. But if you're looking at them from a fan perspective, they're going to kind of treat you like a fan and keep you at a distance. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But if you're in there, you say, hey, 
I'm sitting in a room with John Legend or I'm sitting in a room with, you know, Justin Timberlake. If you talk to them like human beings, you know, they're, they're going to talk to you back like a human being. But the minute you start fanning out, I've seen people get kicked out of rooms from being a fanboy or doing too much. And it's mm-hmm. like, yo, you were kind of doing too much. Why were you doing so much? <laughs> and now you, Why were you doing and so then much? And now, I, you know, you might come to a session and then I don't see you again for like six months. And it's like, yeah. What did you do at that point? So I just told myself, I'm never going to be in a room and be doing the most. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, though, I feel like in this space, it's hard not to to fan out sometimes because there's such high-level people. But at the same time, it's like, like to your point, people are human beings and they want to be treated as such. And the moment they feel that you're kind of in that space with them, they are a little bit, you know, more inclined to open up to you, be comfortable, have conversation with you, et cetera. But I feel like I've also seen, too, on the flip side, where it's like they wanted you to be on their nuts a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to, you know. <laughs> it's weird. I'm going to show, I'm gonna show <laughs> respect and I'm going to show admiration. But, like, yeah, like one thing my, my pops always say, like, never idolize no man. At the end of the day, a man just like you. So why would you? Put them on this pedestal. Yeah. Right. Like, like I, my huge fan of like LeBron. Right. Ooh. But I look at like, I'm glad we got the, the thing, the things that he's done, <laughs> that he's things he's done for sports, basketball, but also outside of you know that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I admire that, and I respect that highly. But I would never like run up on you and put my hand on your chest and give you a hug like a side chick. Like it's just <laughs> not, not like a side chick though. Hey, I mean. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to hit you with the prom pose with the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not just not for me. Yeah. But if we were to have a conversation and sit down, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that same energy, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, can, can somebody take a picture? Like, I'm not, that's not me. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm a huge soccer fan. If I met Messi, same thing. I'm going to shake your hand, man to man, say I, I respect you for what you do for the game and what you do mm-hmm. outside of the game. And that's it. But I yeah. feel like, I, like the minute that you you go above and beyond and like you're kind of on the nuts a little too much, then now somebody, because it's not even just that person, somebody on that team is seeing that might see that and be like, okay, well, if I wanted to work with you, you're going to be doing that every time we work. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm sitting here just like, hey, how you doing? I'm being professional while I'm around you. Then you might look at that and say, okay, he knows how to hold his composure. He knows how mm-hmm. to be in a room with high value folks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a call later on. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, nah, I mean, I just feel like LeBron is the only person that I'd be like. Really? Just- well, yeah, no, I, I feel like the conversation, because, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great person from everything we've seen him do and accomplish, you know, how he's making sure his family is straight. You know, you look at all this thing, and it's like it's, it's highly admirable. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even, I mean, I grew up watching Jordan play and I would have loved to, you know, have a sit down interview or conversation with Jordan, you know, same thing with like LeBron, same thing with Kobe. Um, and like when people always talk about like the, like the GOAT debates, like to me, they're all GOATs because we're still talking about them, whether they're here or not here. And like, you know, we talk about Robert Ori having nine rings or whatever, but like I look at what they did for basketball and outside of basketball and how people's mentalities change. And it's like, I'm always going to have a high respect for that. Mm-hmm. But me personally, I just, it's not in me to be like, I'm going to go crazy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just, cause it's from, to me, it's like I said, how you can get into those other rooms from that one room. Yeah. 
So if I go into it with the mentality of like, okay, you know, inside I might be like, oh, oh it's, it's a problem. I might be like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> what does get crazy look like for you? What would, what would like that highest level of admiration and excitement look like for you? Or if you've had hey, yo, it. Hey, yo, if hey, you've hey, had yo it. get my phone. Hey, somebody get this pic. Hey, hold that- on real quick. Yo, can somebody, hey just, hey, just take a selfie. Like, I'm like that. I've seen it happen. But would I'm you like, do that? No. So what would be like your moment? What would that look like? I don't know. Because I've, I've had like really extensive conversations with a lot of high value folks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so like, I mean, she was first time I met Omarion, we talked for like 30 minutes about family, going to Greece, traveling, mm-hmm. you know, dancing. And like, I'd never met him before. And I know like growing up, listening to his music, listening yeah. to B2K and, you know, that that era of R&B, it was like, we just talk like we were homies. And I feel like I've had enough of those conversations with these higher value folks that I would probably still just keep it to, we're just having a conversation. Yeah. Like, but I don't know if there's anybody on the planet that I would be like full blown, like, Xenon, the rock star <laughs> from Disney Channel. Like, I just... What about? Oh, God, yeah, for sure. I would definitely be like, man, this is a moment. Somebody, somebody better man, get this. Man, this is a moment. Somebody better get this picture. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, if, if, it's, if it's to that level, then, yeah, I might get, you know, super pumped and stoked for it. But as far as, like, being in these rooms, I look at it like it's my brand, too. Yeah. I don't want, like, we've we've had conversations before about certain media outlets being in, like, a practice or, like, an mm-hmm. interview, and you're like, oh, here go these brothers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't ever want someone to look at me and be like, yo, that Nick has, damn. <laughs> I don't yeah. ever want somebody to be like, oh, Nick there is There go here. Nick again. Oh, Nick, damn, bro. How we get, <laughs> how we get a credential? Nick, man. <laughs> how we get a credential? How we get passes in here? Like, I don't ever want that. Man. So, so what would your, like, fanboy, I guess, again, that highest level of admiration without doing too much. I don't know. What what would that look like for I you? I mean, you've seen me in the environments where, like... I haven't seen you around LeBron or anybody like that. No, but I'm saying, like, we've been around, like, people where, like, in the moment, I'm chilling. But when we get in the car, I'm like, Janine, you did it again, baby. <laughs> I'll be... Let me tell y'all this story, right? Um, this past year we did some of the CP3 camps, right? You know, and I saw CP3 the first time and, you know, it wasn't nothing crazy. You know, I was like, okay, cool. Like that's Chris Paul, right? But eventually I was like, one of these days, I'm going to get a picture with him when the time is right. And that day came, the last camp, we chilling in the hallway. I'm prepping all day for it. I'm like. (laughs) Not you plotting (laughs) on Chris Paul. (laughs) Prepping all day for it. Because I'm like, you know, one of the best point guards of all time. Like, yeah, I, I, wanna, I want this picture, you know? Not to be like a fanboy, but at the same time, like... It's a moment. Yeah, it's, it's a, a moment. moment. Like, I'm never probably going to ever be this intimate to this guy and mm-hmm. and be able to take this picture. So, you know, we chilling in the hallway. They taking pictures. It's just like 10 of us, I think. Janine kind of like, she throw the lob. She's like... <laughs> So uh, the director, basically, I got a chance trying to get a picture and then, you know, playing it off. And he's like, the director's like, hey, like, he want to he wanna take a picture with you. I walked up to him. He shook my hand. He said, I love what you was doing, you know. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Took the picture. Walked off real smooth. Got to the back. Showed Janine. I said, got it. <laughs> I 
started editing right away. <laughs> right away. But, you know, I still kept it calm because, you know, he came back in there and I'm chilling. So if you see this, Chris, I'm I'm still chilling. Like, you still. <laughs> nah, but, I'm, I'm still chilling. I'm still chilling. Look, man, I heard Diddy say it and my, my homie co-sign just relives it. He said, preserve the sexy. Yeah. Sometimes you got to preserve you the do, sexy. You do. You got to keep that poker face on. Like. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like some moments. Don't phase we, you. Like, like, I, the first time I printed out some of the shots that I got of, like, LeBron and like Bobby and like some of the people that I'm like, yo, like I used to listen to their music or I used to see them on TV and now I have yeah. a frame in my house of like these people and I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. Like I did that. Like I land, I got here. And so that's also a reminder that if this is just the beginning that I'm getting this, like what it's going to be like in the next two, three years. Because like I said, you put me in the I room. Mean, the possibilities are. You put endless. me on a court, you put me on a field and you let me do what I do. Yes. Yeah. And one one big thing, you know, I kind of really stand by is like, what's for you is for you. It's not, it's not. You know what I'm saying? Whatever God genuinely has planned for you, nobody can take that away. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Exactly. You know, I've had, I've had, you know, people that I'm like, oh, we're going to work, we're going to work. Or they hit you with the LA. Oh, we go, let's shoot, let's work. Let's tap in. And then it never happens. And you're like, <laughs> it wasn't meant for me to tap in with you. We were never tapping in. Yeah, we're never tapping in. It was a good conversation. <laughs> like, we weren't, good to see you, man. But we're you know never tapping in. You know? And, but the crazy thing is, is like, sometimes somebody might say that. And then, you know, people people's schedules are busy. Mm-hmm. But I've learned, too, that like, there's days where like, I'm like, okay, I haven't posted in like almost a month. Mm-hmm. Then I started just cranking out stuff that I had locked in the chamber. And people were like, yo. Let's work. You do shoot. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen you working or your posts. So, like, I hadn't, didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. But, yo, let's put together something. Yeah. And it's also for me when people are like, oh, man, you haven't posted in a while. Like, I'm working. Yeah. Like, I, sometimes I don't have I get home 9, 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes I got to shut my brain off before I go to sleep because then I'm not sleeping. Yeah. Then I got to get up and go do it again the next day. So, yeah. for me, it's just... I'm always going to to say, yo, let's let's work because whatever is meant for me to do is going to happen. If I miss that opportunity, if I didn't shoot with this person, this athlete, this musician, I didn't get this wedding or whatever the case is, it was not meant for me to do that. Mm-hmm. And again, sometimes you don't know what the reason is. Sometimes you're like, okay, it might have been like I wasn't mentally ready for that. I might not have been physically ready for whatever it is I got to do, but whatever is coming next is for me. Dope, dope. So my last question, and we'll probably wrap after this, is if you had a bucket list of people you'd want to shoot before you put the camera down, give me like one to three of who those people or that person might be. Mm. Unless you've already shot them. That's an option too. LeBron was on the list, got him. Um... I'll probably say Beyonce. Um, mm, Ronaldo and Messi, mm-hmm. sure. Especially before uh, Messi officially retires. Um, He'll be in Florida. I would have said Tom Brady, but, you know, I know that time has passed. But I think that for what he did for, you know, quarterback culture and football in general. and Yeah. Like, I think that would have been a fire something to hang on my wall, you know, whether he was in New England or he was in Tampa Bay, I think I would have been, I would have been able to shoot something dope. Yeah. For that. Um, 
That's all I think of right now, really. I mean, like, I just, more so people that are just beyond influential when it comes to, like, the world. I feel like those are people that I would really love to, like, capture in a certain way. Yeah. Chance? Of who? My my three? Your bucket list. Hmm. LeBron, for sure. Um, little baby, little baby. That that's that's gotta be on there. It's gotta be on there. I can just send you some raws if you want to edit those. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, it's on my iPad right now. Wow, that's crazy because I'm actually trying to get into the more photography space. Why are you whispering? Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> it's kind of a secret. Sorry, sorry. Is it a secret that yeah. you want to shoot, little baby? Yeah. It can't be a secret. You got to scream your dreams out to the rooftops, especially yeah. when you're alone. Why are you whispering? You're right. You're right. And number three, honestly, uh, I've always wanted to do this, you know, since I started. Kobe Brown in the league. That's on my bucket list. I've, That's different. That's fire, actually. I've always wanted, to, like, when we started, you know, well, when I started, like, that was always like a thing. Yeah. So, hopefully, you know, that's coming into fruition soon. So, yeah. Who's your three? Um. You already shot all of them. <laughs> Low key. <laughs> uh, I would say, like, obviously, Kobe would have been one, but already did that. <laughs> Flex. Flex. <laughs> I would say LeBron in more of like a controlled setting where it's not just like a game like it's something that like my shoot intimate shoot like something like of meaning of purpose Uh, definitely want to shoot Beyonce she's probably number one on the list Um, and then I would say it's probably low key a tie between LeBron and Steph if I can backpedal either one of them in like an intimate space like that, where it's just like we doing lifestyle or I don't know, a magazine shoot or something. I don't know. Like, I think that would be cool. Um, Drake, I would definitely want to shoot Drake. Like, I feel like his energy and, and vibe and all of that would be cool. And then just on something different, probably like Obama or somebody. Yeah, I would love to do a portrait shoot. with Like, like that'd be fire. Obama and Michelle, like, with like my skill set from like weddings to like, Pose them and show like that love Bruh. would be have a conversation. Yeah, like I would, I would love to be able to pick their brain and just like learn how they got through all the things they got through, the hate, the the marriage, the kids, all the drama that they had to experience and right. still be rocking. Obama came in with a with a fade with waves. And I remember I was in college; I was a freshman, and that man' hair got so gray so quick. Oh, stress. Dealing with these Americans. The stress. <laughs> I mean, eight years of your life, you had to deal with The gray everything. came in quick. I mean, shoot, look at Joe. Joe and I are falling down every time he <laughs> talked. He didn't fell off the bike. He didn't fell at the, at the graduation. Joe he falling didn't. off the stages, man. <laughs> y'all hey, stressing, something's, folks, something's y'all going stressing folks out, man. <laughs> that's something's going on. I think that's on. the problem is y'all stressing folks out. Look, something is going on in the White House. <laughs> To where once you go in, you come out. Like I feel like Joe is like Zordon in Power Rangers. Like I feel like he's, <laughs> I feel like he's like the big head right now, and then like the little tube is coming down to show his body <laughs> what he's really dealing with. I feel like that's where it's at. I'm a nerd, y'all. So just 
Let <laughs> y'all know I'm a comic and computer nerd, so don't mind my analogies, but I feel like that's where it's at. It's like, Alpha, could you pass the ibuprofen? <laughs> I feel like it's one of it's those. It's getting rough out here for my boy, but I appreciate you. Thank you for spending some time with uh, us. Thank y'all for having me. Let me do the mic grab. Thank y'all for having me. Do I look? Thank y'all for having me. <laughs> We're going to um, have you on the pod again because yeah, this be was back. some good conversation. I'll be back. I got more to um, talk about for sure. This yeah, we got great. a lot to talk about. So appreciate it. Catch y'all next time.